Well, I'm going to jump right in, um, as promised. I'm going to try to again live up to Eric's great publicity of these messages. Um, but I do feel like I, this is an important, important word for us and for the church at large, for all people. Um, but today I I'm definitely want to speak about the fear of the Lord in our voting. Um, today I'm, I'm going to share, I feel like, what's an important message about the fear of the Lord in voting. You know, I realize that we are living in a, as I shared last week, a very divisive time in America, you know. And though it seems like the most maybe divisive time in modern times, it's not. You know, uh, it was 159 years ago that our nation began the Civil War, the actual Civil War. And it was the most deadliest war for America we've ever been in. It is estimated that somewhere between 620,000 to 850,000 people died in that war. That's amazing. The second most deadly war was World War II. And that number was right at about 405,399. And so, you know, a lot of people say we're in a civil war of ideas right now. You know, is America going to retain its Christian roots that made it the most prosperous and the most generous nation in the world? Or will the slow decline and rejection of biblical values continue to erode our nation's foundation? You know, citizenship in a free country, it is a blessing from God. Amen? And <clears throat> our our system of self-government assures every one of us as Christians to have a voice in the affairs of the nation, and it gives us the opportunity to bring a heavenly perspective to the earthly realm. God wants us to do His will in our government. Just like here in the church, right? Is that not what we seek every day? What, what is your will for us as a church? How about in your home? Are you praying and asking God, Lord, what do you want from us? How do you want us to live? We have to carry that beyond just my little gathering of people that I created with my wife. It's to move all the way through our nation. But too often, we have disobeyed the Lord. We have ceased, again, as I shared last week, we have ceased to be the salt of the earth, light of the world, as Christ has commanded us. And as a result, the moral fiber of America is rotting away. And the priceless freedom that we have, it's in jeopardy. You know, atheism is penetrating every area of our national life. And so America is faced with one of the greatest crises in history. We are in danger of losing our nation by default. And with it, individual freedoms. You know, Charles Finley, Finney, 
Everybody who knows Charles Finney? He was an evangelist and a revivalist. He helped introduce about a half a million Americans to Christ. Yeah, and this is what he said in 1835. He said, the time has come that Christians must vote for honest men to take consistent ground in politics or the Lord will curse them. God cannot sustain this free and blessed country which we love and pray for unless the church will take right ground. Politics are a part of religion in such a country as this. And Christians must do their duty to the country as a part of their duty to God. God will bless or curse this nation according to the course that Christians take in politics. You know, Psalm 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation, and we could say city, the state, church, family. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. You know, the Bible makes it very, very clear that nations, everyone say nations. The Bible makes it clear that nations are called to belong to God. It is God's plan that every nation on the planet be given the opportunity to make the Lord their God. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 28, he said, uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of what? All nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe and obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. We are called to make disciples of nations, not just individuals. And God has given his church a mandate to teach nations to observe all that he has commanded us. And I think we get real excited about that idea when we think of other nations, right? Oh, we're going to go to Africa and we're going to win them for the lost. We're going to go to, uh, you know, Kalmykia and we're going to win them for the lost. We're going to teach this nation. We're going to do everything we can to make it a disciple of God. And then we lose that zeal when it comes to our own nation. When we realize that we have to make our own nation a disciple of Christ, that it's not a one and done moment. Discipleship is a lifelong process. And when it comes to teaching our nation to obey the commands of God, all of a sudden we get weird. Ah. Why would we force that? But when a nation becomes a disciple of the Lord, just like when a person becomes a disciple, everything changes. Everything changes, right? The way we spend money, the way we treat our marriage, the way we raise our children, the way we, we help the poor, all those and more has to come under the obedience of Jesus Christ. If a nation is to become a disciple, then its laws and its rules must reflect the values of the great lawgiver. Right, right, now, I realize at this point, 
Some people say, Tom, what about separation of church and state? I want you to know I agree. The state should never, ever be allowed to infringe upon the right of the church. Absolutely. Never, ever should the state be allowed to hinder organizations from practicing their religion. In fact, that's what the First Amendment says. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. can also think of no law sitting or stating that the church cannot influence government. There's no law that says we can't influence government, not yet. There's no law that says we can't influence culture. In fact, let me share just a couple of famous quotes about the significance of the church in politics. Mark Twain. He said, it will be conceded that a Christian's first duty is to God. It then follows, as a matter of course, that it is his duty to carry his Christian code of morals to the polls and vote them. If Christians would vote their duty to God at the polls, they would carry every election and do it with ease. If the Christians of America could be persuaded to vote God and a clean ticket, it would bring about a moral revolution that would be incalculably beneficent. It would save the country. That's Mark Twain, the playboy. Sometimes the drunk. Even he had enough sense to know. We've even got an amazing quote from our former President Barack Obama. He said, Secularists are wrong when they ask believers to leave their religion at the door before entering into the public square. Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, William Jennings Bryan, Dorothy Day, Martin Luther King, indeed the majority of great reformers in American history, were not only motivated by faith, but repeatedly used religious language to argue for their case. So, to say that men and women should not inject their personal morality into public policy debates is a practical absurdity. Our law is, by definition, a codification of morality, much of it grounded in Judeo-Christian tradition. Number 44 right there. When it comes to our civic duty to vote, we have to have the fear of the Lord informing our decision. And I'll remind us again in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The fear of the Lord is the thing that has to come before we walk in true wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the thing that has to come before we can express and live out the wisdom of God. The fear of the Lord is the catalytic moment that opens the gates 
up for true knowledge and true wisdom to start to touch our lives. Without the fear of the Lord guiding and directing our decisions, we will end up stuck on stupid. Let me say that again. If we are not filtering our day-to-day decisions through the fear of the Lord, the Bible calls us a fool. In other words, we are stuck on stupid. We're stuck on stupid if we do not have the fear of the Lord informing our everyday decisions. Having the fear of the Lord in our everyday decisions means that we live in awe and respect of the transcendent God who is sovereign over everything. The fear of the Lord in our decisions means that we are humbly under the mighty hand of God and, it, and that it is our obligation and passion to live out his commands in every aspect of our lives you see on this earth we are just stewards managers everyone say i'm a manager manager. only we are managers we are ambassadors tasked with the command to accomplish the will of God in every aspect of life. You see, we are not here to execute our opinions. Once we become born again, we then are sent out into the world to teach nations to observe, to confirm, to obey the commands of God. We've got to feel the weight of this thing, that commission. We've got to feel the weight of this commission in order to make decisions that are in the fear of the Lord. And and if you see yourself only as a citizen of heaven and not an ambassador for heaven, then you will live on your own terms in in the most selfish and stupid ways possible. What do I do here doesn't matter. I'm going to heaven. Isn't that the goal? No, it's not. The goal is heaven and earth coming together. Second Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Hallelujah. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are what? Ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's the message of the ambassador. To this broken and rotting and decaying world, be reconciled to Christ. It is our heavenly duty as ambassadors for Christ to establish the atmosphere of heaven and the rule of our Lord into every sphere of influence in our nation. 
You see, the fear of the Lord, it puts us in the right attitude and right mindset to convey God's heart concerning all things, including, including who should lead our cities, our state, and our nation. When we have the fear of the Lord, we are no longer, we're, we're not seeking our own ways. We're not seeking our own opinion. We seek the Lord's ways first and always. Now, <clears throat> there is something we also need in addition to the fear of the Lord when it comes to implementing God's will in the earth. We have to have a renewed mind. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. So what's, what is a renewed mind? What is the definition of a renewed mind? A renewed mind is that that thinks with the mind of Christ. It is a mind that rejects worldly wisdom and lives out the wisdom that starts in the fear of the lord a renewed mind searches for it earnestly seeks and it lovingly longs for a good and acceptable and the perfect will of god if we do not have a renewed mind then guess what you cannot make good fear of the lord decisions See, when the fear of the Lord settles into our hearts, we become aware that God is very big and we are not. And then we fall in love with God. We desire to live out His will. However, to whatever degree that our mind is renewed, that will inform us what God's will is for our life. To whatever degree you walk in mind renewal, it will inform us God's will for our nation. I can always tell when I start making bad decisions. I haven't been in my Bible for a little bit. I haven't studied enough. I'm not reminding myself of what I already know. When I get confused, it's, well, I don't know what to do. You get confused? What do I do? It's a renewed mind. You know, for, for many of us Christians, we are deeply in love with God. We love His presence. We love His nearness. We love the emotions that we feel concerning God. And those are so powerful, they are so amazing, they are necessary components to the fear of the Lord. However, many of us Christians don't read our Bibles. And Romans 12, 2 tells us that mind renewal comes only through the Word of God. So what happens when we are driven by our passion and our emotions for God, but we don't have truth changing our thinking? We end up making emotional decisions about life. 
We make emotional decisions about our nation. I get all worked up when I see certain politicians acting certain ways. And my emotions are really stirred up. So I'm going to vote because I'm angry. One way or the other. My opinion's going to kick in because I'm stirred up. Because that's how I live. I live led by my emotions. When we spend little or no time reading the Bible, we end up filling our minds with other things. If you just go to your Bible, if you go to your iPhone, I don't know if Android has this. You can go to your iPhone and you can look at how, what you're looking at and how much time you're spending on certain apps on your phone. It'll tell you. How many, how many screen time minutes you're on Facebook versus your Bible app. Or Instasham. <laughs> or Twister. Or YouTube. You're filling your mind with something. You are bathing it every day in something. And when we spend little or no time reading our Bible, filling it with social garbage media, we get emotional and we make emotional decisions. We fill our minds not with the Word of God, but with what culture says, what social media preaches as their gospel. Oh, and it's a faith-filled gospel because it's not based on truth. And that transforms our minds. That stuff starts to change how we think. And then suddenly, we don't know what the will of God is. We have no idea what to, how to think about stuff. We don't know how to think about our lives. We don't know what to think about our nation. We haven't bothered to learn what he wants from us through the reading of his word. A renewed mind only comes from God's word. The passion part of the fear of the Lord, it has to be married to the truth part. We cannot make better decisions in life without the fear of the Lord and a renewed mind. If our mind is not renewed and it is not being transformed by the word of God, then we will make bad decisions for our lives. We will make really bad decisions for our nation. Let me make you a promise. I guarantee 100% that if you will have the fear of the Lord in your life as the thing that comes before wisdom and knowledge and understanding, if you will live in the fear of the Lord and renew your mind with the word of God, you will make better and better decisions every day of your life. I 100% guarantee it. I didn't say perfect decisions. I said they will get better and better every day. I will start making better and better decisions. And those better decisions will start to become great decisions. And those great decisions will become awesome decisions and those awesome decisions will bless your life and they will bless the life of our nation it's the good life we're all looking for
Does anyone want to make better decisions in life? Every person I encounter, myself included, I get so sick of encountering myself sometimes. <sighs> Every person I encounter, myself included, who makes bad decision after bad decision, has one of two things in common. Number one, they don't know what the Bible says about life. It's called ignorance. They just don't know. Or two, they do know what the Bible says, but they don't have the fear of the Lord, and so they disobey it. Every bad decision is either ignorance or disobedience. And it has been proven over and over throughout all of history. I mean, just look at the stories of the men and women in our Bible. I mean, practically every terrible event that happened because it happened because the person either was ignorant of God's thoughts concerning that thing that they were a part of or they did know what God wanted and they disobeyed. They didn't, they didn't practice the fear of the Lord. They did their own thing. David checking out a naked woman taking a bath. He knew what adultery was. He disobeyed. Bad things happened. Are you seeing how the fear of the Lord and a renewed mind will drastically improve your decision-making skills? You know, in a couple of days as a nation, we have some major decisions to make. It says in Exodus 18.21, God was commanding Moses. He said, find some capable, godly, honest men who hate bribes and appoint them as judges. Let these men be responsible to serve the people with justice at all times. We also read and read in Deuteronomy 1.13, it says, choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men, and I will appoint them as your heads. Proverbs 29.2, another living Bible says, with good men in authority, the people rejoice. But with the wicked in power, they groan. 2 Samuel 23.3 says, He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. The Bible is very clear. God's will is very clear. He tells us to choose our leaders. You go choose them. And we live in the most blessed and free nation in this world. And it is an incredible blessing to be able to actually pick our leaders. So we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to God to vote. And it is only when we cast our vote that we fulfill our Christian responsibility in government. If you're not a politician. We have to exercise the influence that God has given us through our very unique system of government. And if we fail to vote biblically for godly rule, evil will increase in our nation. 
Proverbs 26, 16 says, When rulers are wicked, their people are too. Our nation is and will continue to bear the consequences of our choices. 1 Samuel 18, 8, 18 says, that you will cry out for, for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. And if I haven't said it enough, I'll say it again. When we make our decisions, let the word of God be your guide. Proverbs 14, godliness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. See, that means that it is important to prayerfully seek God's will in all of our political decisions. You know, in the book of Hosea, Israel invited God's anger by selecting leaders without consulting him. It says in chapter 8, it says, They set up kings without my consent. They chose princes without my approval. Now, I realize right now it seems very difficult to find a righteous candidate. There is no spiritually mature candidate. No one to vote for whose platform policies that really, really, truly agree with the Bible. And so when we are stuck with less than desirable candidates, we have to pick one who violates the word of God the least. <laughs> we have to pick the one who violates it the least in their principles and their platform. I like what Dr. David Jeremiah says. He says, there may never be a candidate who perfectly represents you or me. But we cannot choose to sit out an election because there's no clear Christian option to give in an election that would ensure we would have no seat at the governing table and that our policy priorities would go unheard. Instead, politics by its very nature is an exercise in compromise. And we must not allow the current uncompromising political climate in Washington to cause us to become myopic and narrow-minded in our own right. It is far better to have elected leaders who aren't outright hostile to our faith and our values than to have leaders who might seek to diminish Christianity's influence in America. That is why I must vote. And that is why you must vote. And I would like to add that principles are more important than party. Remember that a candidate's principles are far more important than their party affiliation. I've said this before. God's not a Republican, and God's not a Democrat. He is the supreme ruler of the universe. So for us to try and make God into the image of a Democrat or the image of a Republican is a blunder for our Christian responsibility. We must vote our Christian convictions over our party loyalty. 
And when we are more loyal to our party affiliation than God's commands, then guess what? We're stuck on stupid. Because first, we are citizens of heaven before we are citizens of America. Our allegiance is first to God and his kingdom, his word. Secondly, we are to our nation. So, I want to share with you the process that I go through when it comes to picking a candidate. This isn't the only way. I know there's lots of other ways, but I believe this is faithful to God's word. So when it comes to choosing a candidate who represents the will of God the most, I use the fear of the Lord and the word of God to help me make my decision. And here's how I do it. In America, in our current condition, I believe there are three major issues that we are facing. They're not all the issues. For me, there's three biggies. And so I look at these three issues first. Now, I also believe that some issues are more important than other issues. I believe the Bible makes some issues more important than other issues. So here is my list in the order of what I believe the fear of the Lord and the Bible say are most important. Number one is our religious freedoms. When I look to a candidate, I want to know if they are for religious freedom or do they want to limit or eliminate religious freedom? You know, God, again, established this nation to be a nation that can freely worship God and practice our faith, not being hidden behind closed doors, not underground, but that we could be a people who practice our faith in every aspect of our society. And it has been the most sinister and ruthless tyrant leaders throughout history that have suppressed and oppressed Christians' rights to worship God openly and freely. Our nation was built upon that fact, and it must remain the foundation of our republic. My number two, if the candidate passes this test, for me, then I want to know what their stance is on the right to life. Right. Do they support what the Bible says about the value of all life? Or is this candidate opposed to it? Are they pro-life? Are they pro-choice? I believe the Bible and the fear of the Lord say the pro-life is the way I have to go. And then number three, if the candidate passes the first two tests, then I, the next issue I believe the Bible has a lot to say is about the definition of marriage. And so I ask myself this question, is this person, are they pro-biblical marriage, pro-natural marriage, are they pro-gay marriage? 
Again, I'm not going to teach what the Bible says about these things. Not today. But I believe the fear of the Lord and the word of God inform me to vote for biblical marriage. Now, once I get through all of those very important issues, then I start to look issues that are important, but not, I think, as as important as those first three. Things like health care, things like immigration, education, the economy. I think those are important things, but these three trump them. God puts a higher premium on them. They are important issues, all of these, that need true wisdom and knowledge that comes from the fear of the Lord. So, let me show you how this worked out for me. I'm going to get real transparent. So, four years ago, we had some, maybe everybody, had two voting opportunities. One was for the primary election, and the second was for the national election. In the primary election, there were several candidates that I believed had a strong Christian biblical character and value system, which the Bible says are the kind of people we should elect to office. So in the primary, I felt like I had some good choices, which made choosing difficult. Because, you know, they blew through the first three. So now I got to think about their economic policy and healthcare issues and immigration, education, all of those things. I had to dig deeper in my list of biblical values to decide whom to vote for. Because all of them were for religious freedom. They were all pro-life. They were all pro-family. They were all pro-biblical marriage. Now I've got to look at their other policies, healthcare, immigration. So once I decided who to vote for, then I had to face the possibility that my candidate was not likely to win the primary. Other candidates actually had a better chance of winning. And so I had to deal with the thoughts that maybe I was throwing my vote away. But here's where the rubber meets the road for me. The fear of the Lord informed my decision, not the fear of missing out. The fear of missing out that my vote isn't going to count. If I believe my God wants my nation to be his disciple, then the fear of the Lord informs me to vote for the candidate that most closely reflects biblical values and beliefs and who actually lives them out and walks with godly character. Even though the candidate I voted for had a less likely chance of winning, The fear of the Lord required me to cast my vote for that which embodies righteousness the most. And guess what? My candidate didn't win the primary. Trump did. So now, four years ago, I was stuck with two candidates that I don't believe possess very much moral fiber at all. What do I do? Guess what? I'm back to the fear of the Lord. I'm back to the word of God. And it compels me. It compelled me to vote for the person who violated the Bible the least.
because they were not outstanding Christians. No outstanding character to, to look at and go, oh, you represent me well. And now it's time for me to go through my list of biblical values to find out who am I going to vote for. And as you know, at the top of my list is religious freedom. Which, which candidate supports religious freedom the most? After that, then I had to ask, who, who stands for the right to life? Which candidate supports the unborn the most? And at that point, my decision was made. I didn't have to go any further. I didn't have to go through the rest of my list because I knew at that point Trump was running on the pro-life and Hillary was running pro-choice. Now, what would have I done if Trump was pro-life but he was also pro-gay marriage? And let's say Hillary was pro-choice but she was pro-natural marriage. That would be so hard. (laughs) So, so hard. But... Because I believe the Bible places a significantly higher premium on life than marriage, the fear of the Lord required me to vote for whoever is pro-life, even if that candidate was going to be on the mission to destroy biblical marriage. That would not have been an easy decision. But it's what I would have done. And then I would pray Pray, pray that God changes the heart of that person in office. But thank God I didn't have to make that decision. So knowing Trump was running on the biblical values of pro-religious freedom, pro-life, pro-biblical marriage, and actually had a plan for even helping our economy, in the last election, he got my vote. Now, I didn't vote for Trump because he was a model Christian. I voted because he stood on biblical principles more than Hillary did. President Trump has so many character flaws. It's almost like I'm looking in the mirror sometimes. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, yeah. We're all real judgy. We are so judgy about the character of all these people in public life, and we don't actually judge ourselves even with a minuscule amount of judgment. He had so many character flaws. So did Hillary. But the fear of the Lord told me to vote for the candidate who most reflects biblical standards. And just like David, Dr. David Jeremiah said, I could not excuse myself from voting just because neither candidate perfectly represented my biblical qualities. So, I voted for Trump. Let's evaluate those four years. Did I cast my my ballot in vain? Or did he deliver on his platform? Pro-life, pro-family, pro-faith. I believe he did. In fact, let's look at that. His record on pro-life. Trump has been the most pro-life president in American history. He's the first president to speak at the March of Life. He cut Planned Parenthood funding. He rescinded the funding of international abortion. 
And he's outspoken about life beginning at conception. And he has appointed so many pro-life judges. Well, there's a lot of lower court judges that he's over 200 that he's appointed that we don't even know about. What about his pro-family record? Well, he signed the Right to Try Act, which allowed families with family members that had terminal diseases, in other words, you're going to die. And he'd signed the act that allowed them to be able to at least try experimental drugs that could save lives, and lives have been saved because of this. He signed the Tax Reform Act, which was the largest middle-class tax cut in American history. And it also included an expansion of the Paid Family Leave Act, which allows parents to take up to eight weeks off when they had a baby. I believe you can even take from your Social Security to help pay with no penalties. He also signed into law the Fairness for Breastfeeding Mothers Act, which meant you could breastfeed where you want. Yeah, mamas, come on. (laughs) Didn't know that, did you? And he's reallocated $100 million just to stop child sex trafficking. Is he pro, did he, did he deliver on pro-faith? Said he's gone out of his way to surround himself with people of faith. He's unapologetic to speak at churches. Mike Pence is his vice president. And he has people pray over him every single day. And really important, which we don't really understand, is that he has blessed Israel. This is a big deal for us as Christians. He moved our embassy, our U.S. embassy, to Jerusalem. He has signed a miraculous peace drill between Israel and the UAE. This is incredible. He's recognized the Golan Heights. He rescinded the Iran deal. He helped create one of the most peaceful times in the Middle East that there's ever been. And he's not a wartime president. Now, I realize that some of you may say, but Tom, Trump's a racist. How can you vote for a racist, homophobic, misogynist? Well, I voted for him because He's not a racist, he's not homophobic, and he's not misogynistic. Has he said some stupid stuff on Twister? Just take the account away from the man. If you can't handle the toy, you lose the privilege to have it. He has said stupid stuff that can be interpreted, yes, very negatively. But listen, his policies, they speak louder than his dumb tweets. Policies like he signed the First Steps Act, which is designed to help people of all colors with lengthy jail sentences and great conduct to have an easier path to society. 1,800 prisoners have been released because of this that would have been stuck in jail rotting. Trump's economy has helped over 6 million African Americans alone get off welfare and start earning their own paycheck through meaningful work. 
Trump appointed Richard Grinnell as director of national intelligence. Richard is the first openly gay cabinet member in U.S. history. Do homophobic people do that? Half of Trump's White House staff are women. 56 of those women hold top commission jobs, jobs including the directors of domestic policy, directors, uh, director of legislative affairs, political affairs, cabinet affairs, the press and communications office. And let's not forget, he dated a biracial supermodel, <laughs> Carrie Young, in the 90s. Is this what a racist does? All of that, all of that stuff points me in the opposite direction of racism, misogyny, and homophobia. I believe the media has worked overtime to spin a narrative that is false. Is Trump a model Christian? Everyone say it with me. No. But neither was David Neither was Samson, neither was Solomon. I want to talk about a playboy. How about 300 sexual partners? That makes Trump look like a kid. We wouldn't have voted for any of those guys in the Bible. Murderous, adulterers, Samson hanging out with a prostitute. God went and actually spoke to him while he was with the prostitute. Listen, I'm not voting for Trump because he's America's pastor. Okay? I'm voting for him because his policies reflect more of a biblical worldview. That's it. Now listen, we all have a choice. We can choose whatever we want. You can choose to vote whoever you want. I'm voting for him because his policies reflect what I believe the Bible says is important. I showed my process for choosing. And in a couple of days, we have a heavenly mandate to vote for leaders who stand for biblical values the most. And the fear of the Lord and a renewed mind that has been transformed by the word of God must be our guide. So I'm asking you, please, please vote. Please do your part in making our nation a disciple of God through the fear of the Lord and a renewed mind. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Dear God, forgive us for God, forgive us for as a as a people who have not walked into the places of government, of education, of business as ambassadors, God. I'm asking today, Father, that you would help us be reinstated 
as ambassadors from heaven to bring forth God truth and light to be salt and light in the earth God I'm praying Lord that that the garbage that we feast on in social media God would be pushed out of the way and the word of God would rise up inside of us now God that we would take our anger, our opinions, God, everything that we see is a character flaw in whoever, God. And that we would look to your word and we would pray and we would, we would not be like the people in Hosea where they, we, they didn't consult you when they chose a king. They didn't consult you when they chose their princes. God, help us, Lord. Move that stuff out of the way, Lord, and let the word of God come up in us. Lord, I pray for mercy for this nation, God. We are in bigger problems beyond a dumb election. It's an important election, but it's not the full problem, God. We are in deep problem. We need to return to the Lord, God. We need a revival. We need a reformation. We need an awakening, God, to come to this land that changes hearts, God, that will be reflected in our leaders. So I'm asking today, God, that a revolution of holiness be reestablished in the church, God. A reformation of being set apart for the kingdom of heaven, God. An awakening that the the dullness of sin has, has crept in and made us so dull. God, break that off of us in Jesus' name. And I pray for this election tomorrow, God. We pray for this election and Tuesday, God, when we all vote. God, let righteousness reign. Let corruption be, be, be reprimanded, be put in jail, God. Let it just have it every spirit, God. We know this is not flesh and blood. This is principalities and powers. And we just declare right now to the kingdom of darkness, you will not pass. You will not have your way. We ask for angel help, God, come from heaven, ministering spirits who are in the, in the ready, in the waiting for us. Come, make ways, straighten out crooked places, lift up low places, bring down high places, remove stumbling blocks in the name of Jesus. Help us, God. Forgive us that we haven't been able to raise up leaders who who we could say, yes, they serve you all their heart. Forgive us, God. I just pray, Father, that your hand would be upon our nation, that you would have mercy for America. Mercy upon us, God. On the halls of justice, God. I thank you, Lord, that I I feel in the spirit, I feel prophetically in the spirit that injustice is turning to justice. Injustice turning to justice. I declare that today, God. God, free our minds to be in alignment with your word and the fear of the Lord. We bless you for today, God. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. And no matter the outcome, we are still first citizens of heaven. 
Our job isn't over with this election. It's just begun, God. Every day is a new day where we are to influence the world, make disciples of people and make disciples of nations. And we surrender to that command today. If you surrender it, say yes and amen. Yes and amen, God. We surrender to the command to make disciples of nations, this nation and the nations of this world. And we bless you today. We love you, God. Just say, I love you, Father. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. Have your way. In this nation, we pray, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.